Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. Now here is Pastor Scott Floyer. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Okay, we're going to start out this morning a little bit different, all right? We're all going to just go... Okay, yeah, because I saw some of you come in and it was more like... <laughs> we're in church, praise God, all right. You know, um, I, I mean, let's, there's a lot of stress going on, Okay. There are a lot of things going on in the world that just tense and things are just happening and, and maybe you're one of those people that this morning you just felt like, I am just glad to have made it here. Um, and some of you may be thinking, I'm just glad we made it here because the argument we had in the car all the way here was amazingly horrible, okay? So, because I remember as a kid, I remember watching my parents, the best, I shouldn't say that, the best arguments, that was horrible, right? The arguments, <laughs> the best ones um, that they ever had was in the car on the way to church. And then they get to church and they're like, praise Jesus, okay, that's great. You know, and you're just like, what happened? You know, they've changed, right? So we're just going to relax. We're going to enjoy. We're going to be here. We're going to hang out a little while. Because I'll be honest with you, this morning as we start to talk about what does it mean to live a life that has wealth in it, um, there's good news and there's bad news. And I don't know about you, if you're like me, I hate it when someone does that. I got some good news and I've got some bad news. It's like, okay, you're just trying to soften me up with the good news so you can really hammer me with the bad news, right? And so I'm more like the person, I'm like, okay, let's forget the good news, start with the bad news, and then we can go to the good news and I can feel better, right? And so what I want you to understand is as we talk about wealth, some of you automatically just shut down because you're, oh my, the church is talking about money. They're just, oh, they just want my money and that's why I'm here. You know, maybe you did that or, or because I said wealth, you went, well, I'm okay. I'm not wealthy. I don't have to listen, right? Some of the high school students are in here. I work minimum wage. And I don't, you know, I just have enough to put gas in my car. Or, or maybe you know, you're, in, you're, in, you're a middle schooler and you're going, I just babysit. And I don't make any money. Or, you know, some of you are going, I'm parents. We have no money, right? Because those little grubby kids. No, I'm just kidding. But it's one of those things where we have to think about things not just in finances, okay? As we talk about wealth, I want you to understand I'm not just talking about money. There's a lot of things that go with wealth. There's, there's knowledge. There's relationships. There's life. And yeah, there is money that goes with it. But I want you to get a picture of what it means to be wealthy. I want everybody to raise their hand. This is class participation. Shall we do this class? Okay, and so um, I want everybody, if you have a college degree, to raise your hand. Raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. I don't have one yet, by the way. I'm on the 20-year plan. Um, I actually have a plaque hanging in my office behind my desk that says, someday a college diploma will go in here. You know, okay? That's supposed to be motivation. I just turn around and go, oh. That's why it's behind me, not in front of me, because then I can, it's not there. Okay, so, okay. Now, let's go on. How many of you, raise your hand, graduated from high school? Everybody raise your hand if you graduated from high school. Okay, cool. Some of you are going, and that's as far as that shall go, right? Some of you in high school are sitting here going, I want it done. No, right? Okay. If you're a junior, if you've completed at least, no, I'd be a, I played football, sorry, sophomore, okay? And if you have gone to school up to your sophomore year, if you've got the degree, if you've, you know, I want you to raise your hand. If you've gone to school up to a sophomore year, everybody again, if you got the degree, got the high school diploma, if you're a sophomore, okay, see, you want to understand something? You are more wealthy than the rest of the world because we are number one. United States is number one for education, okay? I went to a list, I found out, we average 12 years of school. We're number one in the world. 12 years of school, we average it. Now, if we've learned anything there or not, 
is up to us. But you know, we have 12 years of school. No, number 25 on the list was Panama. Okay? Panama only gets 8.5 years of school. It's the average. All right? So they had this list of 100, so I went down to number 50. South Africa, 6.1 years of school. 6.1 years of school. Now, those of you that may not know this, Pastor Ken is in Uganda, and he's on a trip, and he's meeting with people, and he's talking to a village that we as a church have been supporting and walking through, and so continue to pray for him. But I, so I went specifically to Uganda. I wanted to see where they're at. They rank number 77, 3.5 years worth of school in a lifetime. I want you to understand, this is in a lifetime. There was even a small little country called Guinea-Bissau. I had no idea where it was. I had never even heard of this. So I went to the map to find it. They get 0.8 years worth of school. But you know what? We're not wealthy. We're not wealthy. I mean, think about it. We get to go to school. We, we get to go to schools where some kids would praise God. They just got to go to one class. I know some of the students in here are going, please, they can take mine. I understand that, right? <laughs> I understand. But we've got to look at wealth, not just at finances. We've got to think of things. I, I found a statistic that said the average, the shyest person, the shyest person in, in, in the world, okay, they average 10,000 relationships in their lifetime. 10,000 relationships. So for those of us that have big mouths, Okay, we meet a few more people. I don't know what that looks but the shyest person, I mean, some people have more than that just on their Facebook, right? They have that many friends, just those acquaintances, you know, because everybody goes in, I have 500 Facebook friends, what do you have? You know, it's just, you know, one of those, if you don't have Facebook, we'll pray for you. But, um, I mean, so, so there's relational wealth. I guarantee you there are people around you that wish they just had a family like you had. A wife, a husband. You know what I mean? There's, there's more to wealth than just our money. But you know what? Let's look at our country. Our country, poverty level is 18,000 a year. Okay? That's, that's the poverty level in our country, lowest income. So I, I decided I wanted to see who made the most. And I found out some pretty amazing statistics. Uh, like Bill Gates, his yearly income, okay? His yearly income is 63-something. Because there are so many zeros behind it, I don't even know what to call this. All right, I even went to my son, who's math whiz, right? I said, son, what is this? He goes, that's a whole lot of money. That's what that is. <laughs> okay, I, I, it's like 63-000-000-000. Annual income. Holy Moses, right? Okay, so then we go on to Lawrence Ellison, Oracle. His is 58,000, just a little bit lower. Oh, let's pray for him. He's struggling, right? Okay, then you've got Ted Turner. Ted Turner. The guy, man, he is, he is scraping the bottom of the barrel at $9 billion a year, right? Let's pray for Ted. He's struggling. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it, you know, we've got to understand that we do live in a country that has a lot of wealth, whether it be knowledge, relationships, finances. But as we walk through this, I want you to understand, God is not just interested in your money. And by the way, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. He's God. He's got that covered. But it's an area that we always struggle with. It's an area that we immediately shut down and go, you can't talk to me about this because this is mine. Well, as we walk through this, you're going to realize it's not yours. It's something that we have been given. And what we need to realize is that our attitude about those things that's what changes what we're dealing with. That, that's what changes when we talk about wealth because our attitude determines the altitude of our generosity. 
Because really that's what it is. The things that we have, God has given to us so that we can be generous with. So our attitude reflects the altitude of our generosity. Now, uh, I want to let you know that as we go through into this scripture, as we go through these verses, um, I'm going to ask you to not read maybe the Bible that you brought with, okay, or, or the one on the, the seats. I'm going to ask you to read what's in the program in your insert, so pull out the insert, follow along in the verses that we're going to read, because they're, they're, we're reading from the message version, and I know some of you maybe go, oh, we should read from the NIV or the New Living Translation. If you want to have that discussion, we have it later. My personal preference is I want you to read the version that you're going to read, Right? So many people argue, well, what should I read? The one you're going to read. Just read the Bible. That's all we're asking you to do, all right? So as we look at the message version, it throws it out in a different way. I love it because it's, in a, it's a common way of language. And Paul is talking to Timothy, and Timothy is a young pastor, and Timothy is actually uh, in a church, and he's in a very wealthy church. He's in the church of Ephesus. It's a place that has lots of money. And so Paul is encouraging Timothy how to handle those people in the church and dealing with wealth. And so as we read through this, I want you to look at the picture. It's an older, more wise gentleman talking to a younger gentleman about how to handle things in this church. So if you look in your program, follow along with me here. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, all right? It says this, a devout life does bring wealth, but it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Since we entered the world penniless and we will leave it penniless, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, then that's enough. But... If it's only money these leaders are after, they'll self-destruct in no time. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. So he talks about a few other things and he goes on and he comes down to 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 21. He says, "Tell tell those rich in the world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. We understand that part, right? Right now, here today, gone tomorrow. Those of you that had a 401k, now it's a 101k. You understand what I'm talking about, right? It's like a retirement. What's my retirement? Whatever's in the can on the back of the bed, right? You got the little, that's my retirement right now. So we understand that. And it goes on. He says, tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. He says, and oh, my dear Timothy, guard the treasure you were given. Guard it with your life. Avoid the talk show religion and the practiced confusion of the so-called experts. People caught up in a lot of talk can miss the whole point of faith. Overwhelming grace keep you. See, what... We've got to look at this picture. Paul is talking to Timothy and he's saying, okay, I know there's some rich people. I know there's some rich leaders in your community that are coming and saying, okay, hey, I am so excited about being involved with Christ that I want to get paid. I want to get paid. I I mean, they had the guys that walked in and say, hey, if you want to know Jesus, then we're going to pass the plate. Now, I know some of you may have been involved in ministries or people like that, but you know what? That's not a biblical representation of what God wants for the people in his ministry. Although I did find out this last week on Yahoo that they had the 10 most stressful and least paid jobs in the United States. And as I was walking through it, I want you to realize number three was a worship pastor. Okay? Number three was a worship pastor. And I totally understand that. Now I know why Brian's hair is always standing up. (laughs) Because he's got to deal with us, right? It's one of those deals where least paid, most stressful. I mean, people always have comments about the music and this and that. I mean, it's just amazing how many people want to whine and complain and just be a pain. Jesus loves you. Okay, so... um, (laughs) 
But then number five was lead pastor. Lead pastor of a church. Most stress, least paid. Now, I want you to understand, most people that get into ministry are not looking for a paycheck. That's not what they started. That's what, not what they got. Now, some, um, unfortunately, get to that place. And that's why Paul, at the very, if you notice, at the very end of that scripture, he is telling him, oh, dear Timothy, guard the treasure you were given. Guard it with your life. Avoid the talk show religion. See, I want you to understand this morning, we're not going to be talk show. There's no Jerry Springer here, okay? Although if you want me to throw a chair, I can. You know, but, but we're, we're going to be plain and simple. We're going to talk about what does it mean to live a generous life? What does it mean to give away what we have? What does it mean to live with an attitude of gratitude? Because our attitude determines the altitude of our generosity. See, many people think, oh man, church, all they do is talk about money and they want my money. No, we want your attitude to change about your money. Because we talked about it in the student ministry last week. I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. Is money evil? No. I mean, some students are like, oh, money's horrible. Some are like, oh, it's great. There were some that were like, money is awesome, right? You know, and they have all these perspectives. Money is not bad. Money is not bad. It's, it's our attitude about the money that we have. So we want to talk about what are some attitudes that we have to deal with. Well, the first attitude is this. Number one, life is best lived with what I have, not what I don't. Life is best lived with what I have, not what I don't. I loved it last week when Ken was talking about it, and he says, we are always trying to keep up with the Joneses. My question is, who are the Joneses, and where do they live? You know what what the answer to that is? That's your neighbor. That's the whole idea behind it. It's the neighbor. It's the person that you're trying to keep up with, and I am just as bad as the next guy. I am honest. I will be flat out honest. I love my TV. I do. I have a big TV. Last night we watched that UFC fight. I got to see the guy bleed on the screen. I'm like, oh yeah, right? I mean, my wife's like, you need therapy, right? Because I'm just, this is awesome. And I'm horrible because I got this TV. I love this TV. It's just fun. And then I go online and I find out that they're building bigger TVs. Do you know there's a TV that is wall-sized? Oh. I was like, praise God. There are many men in here that want to spring, you know, yell out amen, but they don't because their wife's like, don't you dare. You know what I'm saying? But it's that whole, I mean, wouldn't that be awesome to watch football on your wall? Yeah. But what does it do? I'm just trying to keep up with the next thing. And the next thing's always going to be bigger and better. And the next thing's always going to change my attitude. I need to be more, ha- I need to be happy with what I have, not what I don't have. I mean, we struggle. Let's be honest. We struggle with this as husbands, wives, parents. Got my kids the iPod. I was all excited. Thought it'd be cool. Dad, get that. Yeah, get the iPod. Right. What does Apple do to me? Three months later, brand new iPod. But that one takes pictures and video. My kids now look at that one. Cool dad just went out the window, right? right? But it's that heart issue. It's that attitude issue of, of what, what is next? What am I going to keep up to? I mean, I feel it as a husband all the time when I, when I know that our vehicles are older vehicles and people go by with newer vehicles. And I'm like, man, I want to give that to them. But it's that keeping, it's the attitude. I need to, be, I need to learn to have joy in what, in what I have now. I mean, and it's not just the financial things. It's in relationships because some of you are not realizing the joy that you have in a relationship because that relationship can be gone. 
And if you're not taking the time to be in that relationship, it can be over. Parents, we know that our kids grow up and they leave. I remember my mom used to always tell me, oh, just enjoy when they're little. Enjoy it when they're little because it's gone so fast. And I went, yes, old person, keep thanking you, you know, for telling me that kind of stuff. You know, because we do that. And if you don't say that, you're, you're full of it. Okay, because I looked at my mom. I was, you know, I did this. Yeah, yeah. I believe. Now my kids are in high school and I go, oh, my goodness. They're gone. They're going to be gone soon. No? We need to enjoy those moments. I tell my kids all the time, enjoy high school. Because once you get out of high school, things change. Things change. I tell my kids all the time, you know those friends you had in high school? I guarantee you, 90% of them, you will never see again. Until you go to a 20-year reunion, and then you don't even recognize them again. It's like, you used to have hair. What, you know, that's me. Okay, so, you know, just all those things. Right? Take the time to enjoy what you have not what you don't have. You know, I heard a pastor say this. He said, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. The grass is always greener on the other side. You want to know that, why the grass is always greener on the other side? Because it's over the septic tank. Some of you will get that later. You know, it's just, you understand what I'm saying? We're always looking for what's on the other side, and we're not seeing what God has given us. We don't have the attitude of what I have is better than what I don't have. I mean, I went to India for 11 days, and I came home wrecked. I, I prayed with, we prayed with Ken as a staff, this last, and I prayed that Ken would get wrecked all over again. Because when you go into a third world country like that, you realize how wealthy we are. I mean, I came home, yeah, that's my wife. I was trying to sell everything. We don't need a refrigerator. Give it away. There's so many. She's like, back off, dude relax, right? I'm like, no, you know, and my kids are like, dad's lost it. Let's pray. You know, just because, because we really, when you get into that situation, we need to be so thankful at what we have. We are the wealthiest country in the world. But, but we sit back and go, I'm not wealthy. Why? Because we're always thinking about what we don't have, about what we don't have. In 1 Timothy 6, 6 in the New Living Translation, it actually says this. It says, yet true religion with contentment is great wealth. With contentment is great wealth. Uh, it, it even goes on in Luke, and Luke chapter 6, verse 21, 24, it says, What sorrows await you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. See, we've got to be happy with what we have now, not what we don't have. And it's so easy. It's so easy to get caught up with what we don't have. Those of you that are single, I know that. It's so easy to get caught up with what we don't have in relationship. But you know what? Maybe God's put you in a place now where you can be joyful now about something that's going on in your life. But yet we're always looking for what's next and over there and look at what they have. I joke about it, but there are some married people that wish they were back where you were. And there are some married people that don't realize that what they have now is better than the alternative. And that's nothing. See, God has placed us in relationships. God's placed us in a place so that we can have joy in what we have now and not what we don't have. I mean, I, I really think of time in the same way as a commodity. Some of us have to look at time as, as an issue because sometimes we just let time go with our wives, our children, our homes, our jobs. We're always looking about what's next, what's next. 
Life is best lived with what I have, not what I don't have. Because in verse 10, look at what it says. It says, lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble going down that path. Some lose their footing in their faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. I mean, I mean, I know it's important that we go out and make money to be able to provide for our family. I, I understand that. But when the provision for your family overtakes you being in your family, then you've missed the boat. And dads, I want you to realize you can give all the gifts that you want, but the only gift that they want is you. I heard a guy tell me a long time ago, he says, you need to love your daughter now while she's young because when she's older, if you don't, she'll find boys that will love her and not the way you want her to be loved. We're called to be the leader in the home, to love our wives, to honor our wives. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just be flat out honest. I think some of you husbands, if you got up with your big fat butt and actually did the dishes, you might see something different in your wife. Instead of walking in and watching the game and eating the meal. I, okay, I'll, I'm going to reveal something, okay? I watched Fried Green Tomatoes yesterday. <laughs> it's a chick flick, I know. <laughs> I repent of that right now. But you know, I'm just telling you. It was on, I'm watching it, and I am getting fired up as I'm watching this movie. And my wife, she thinks I'm nuts anyway. So I'm watching this movie, and I'm getting fired up because every time this wife made a choice to try to improve the relationship that they had, this moron chooses to come in and sit down and watch the Braves. And every time he would walk in, grab his meal, go sit down on the chair, and turn on the TV. And I'm thinking, dude, turn and look. Look at what you have. I'm, I'm getting angry. My wife's like, change the channel, dude. Just relax. I'm like, this guy's an idiot. Why? Because I see it every day. I see it every day. God has given you something in your wife, in your husband. Let's look at what we have and not what we don't have. Let, let's, let's be able to walk through that and be involved in the lives of the people around us. Because like I said, even the shyest person meets 10,000 people. Maybe the relationships you have are something that you need to give away so that someone else can come to know Christ. Maybe it's a relationship that you need. I believe there are people in our church that are in a small group or in a community group right now that need to, be, they need to break that community up. They need, they need to expand it because maybe you're the person God's going to use to create even a greater community. But we think about what we want. See, we've got to get beyond what I don't have. And think about what I have. Because that attitude, struggle, we will struggle time and time again if we can't get past it. Next attitude is this. We need to richly give what we don't own. We need to richly give what we don't own. See, Paul is reminding the people that all they have is not theirs, it's God's. And that they should be seek to be extravagantly generous. I mean, think about that. Think about the best gift you've ever been given. Think about the, the best gift you've ever had in your life. And think about it this way. Multiply that by a million, and that's exactly how much God has given to you through his son, Jesus Christ. See, God knows how to give extravagantly. God, God knows how to be generous. God knows how to take care of his people. In fact, um, Solomon would talk about, I mean, we talked about him last week. He's, he's a rich man. He was a powerful man. And Ecclesiastes 11.1 says, he says, give generously for your gifts will return to you later. See, we're supposed to give it away. We're not supposed to hold on to it for ourselves. And you know what we need to do is give it away because it's not our own. 
When I was first in the ministry, I met a missionary from South America. And as I'm sitting there talking to him, I said, is it hard because you leave your wife and your kids? He goes, oh, it's horrible. And we started to give him this conversation. I said, well, you know, this and that. And he goes, well, I want to remind you, um, the, my wife and kids aren't mine. They're on loan. And I was like, well, I had to walk through that one. I didn't understand that. I'm like, is there something you need to tell me about the church you're part of? You know, we sharing things that we don't, this is a little weird, you know. I'm like, I don't understand this. He said, well, they're God's. They're not mine. They're on loan, and so I need to be generously able to give what is not mine. I'm reading a book right now called Life on Loan. See, our life is not our own. Our wives and our children and our kids and our families and our husbands, they're not, they're on loan. They're God's. And, and Solomon was reminding people that you need to give not when it's easiest. He says, you know, what you got to remember is that it's not going to be the right time, always the right time. It's, there's going to be God's time and there's going to be your time. God's time is different than your time. I mean, I used to love that when I hear, I still love it when I hear young couples go, well, we're going to have kids when it's the right time. There is never a right time. Okay? There is never a right time. And then once they become high schoolers, you're praying that there's a time would change. Something. Because you're like, I, wh- who is this person and where did they come from, right? It's all of these things that ha- go on as you walk through. It, there is never a right time. God does not say, here, I'm going to make it so easy for you. Just go ahead and get When we first got married, um, my wife did not grow up in a home where they talked about what it meant to tithe. And we had a, a horrendous fight over this. I mean, it was one of those fights where I left the house and she stayed in the house and cried. You know what I'm talking about, those houses? Now, many of you are going, oh, that's horrible. No, I chose that because I didn't want to go to jail. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? There's, there was this thing, this argument, this huge emotion. Because what happens when we talk about money? And we talk about, do you know top two things that cause problems in marriage? Money and kids. Money and kids. And how much money is going to the kids? You know, those kids. But, but those are the top two. So I left and I came back and I said, honey, I, you know, I apologize. I shouldn't have got angry. And we walked through this. And I had, we, we had to walk through, what does it mean to give God what he's already given to us? And, and you know, I, 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 we had to walk through that. And, and at one point in time, um, we, we ate pancakes all week long because we knew that it was our job to give to God what he had given to us on loan. I'll be honest with you, there today, today, I don't like pancakes. We had pancakes the other day. I'm like, <laughs> I hate pancakes. Because I just think back to that. You know, it came to the point in time in our relationship where I said, okay, honey, you're going to handle the finances because she thought if you had checkbooks you still, or checks, you still had money. And she's like, I'm just writing checks. Woo! You know? I'm like, honey, there's this thing called an account. And when the account is empty, you can't keep writing checks. She's like, oh. You know, I said, then you play basketball with those checks and it just doesn't work out. So I said, you take care of the money. And now she's going, please take it back because, you know, it's a different story. And as we walked through that, I, I, I came to the point, you know, each of us do our finances online. I said, let's, let's make our offering. Let's set it up so that we can do that online. She goes, no, I can't do that. And I'm like, uh, why? You know, what was, she says, I have to put the check in there. I have to do that. I have to remember that I'm giving God what's his and it's not mine. See, that, that's that struggle. That's, that's, that's it. It's not our money. It's on loan. 
It's on the, and I'm not saying that to put a guilt. I, I, I want to see, you know, I've had conversations, but that was a struggle we had to walk through with as a couple. We had to see that what it is is reminding ourselves that the finances we have are not ours. Solomon reminds us that even in Hebrews 10:24 is says, think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts, outbursts of love and good deeds. Okay, how can we encourage? Sometimes our wealth is in how we can encourage other people to live a godly life. How can we tell people? I want, I'm, I'm going to just be plain and simple. Guys, there are some of you guys in here that are involved in ministry. I appreciate it. But there are some junior high, middle school, and high school guys that would love to have you involved with their lives. Would love to have that. See, Paul had that with Timothy. There are some girls in there that would love to hear some, from some of you ladies. There is a children's ministry that always needs people to get involved. See, because we encourage people to outbursts of love. Wouldn't it be great if there was bursting everywhere? right? Don't you think the community around us would see something different? If we realize that the attitude about our finances, the attitude about our relationships, the attitude about what we have determines the altitude of our generosity. And I, get me, get what I'm saying. I'm not just talking about money. Psalm 90, 12 says, teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. See, time is, is a wealthy thing. Do you notice that? We have time. There is time that we can spend. And again, it's about wealth and, and spending it with our family. Some of us have lots of time, but we choose to spend it sitting on our computer. Or we choose to spend it going and, 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 and sitting uh, in front of a TV or all of these things. And time is a precious commodity. Time I've travels, and I, that's why I loved last series of If I Should Die Before I Wake, because I love that, ser- that uh, statistic that says one out of every one of us is going to die. God is the keeper of time. We don't know how much time we have. How are you using your time? We have a wealth of time. I mean, I had to walk through that this week. Um, I went to Sacramento. I had some meetings all day in Sacramento. I came back. I was preparing the message for this week, and I'm struggling through it. And all of a sudden, someone shows up at the church, and at the church, you know, the, you know I'll be honest with you, sometimes when you show up, we don't want to talk to you. Okay? Now you're like, oh, oh that's mean. I'm going to be honest with you. Kenneth say the same thing, but he's a lot nicer than me. All right? Because sometimes our time, we, we just struggle through time. Every one of us does it. Let's be honest. Your kid comes in the room and says, hey, I need help with this. Oh, I'm doing this, right? Usually in my house, it's something wrong with the computer. Dad, I need help with the computer. <laughs> I'm going to pump the computer. You know, it's just those kind of things. And so this gentleman shows up, don't know who he is, and Peg comes. She says, he needs to talk to someone. And in my head, I'm having that battle. No, you know what I'm talking about. I got to do this, this, and this. Maybe, maybe it can come back. You know? And I just go, oh, okay. Right? You do that? <sighs> Fine. <laughs> Such a godly attitude, right? <laughs> Fine, I'll do it. You know, I push away come out, meet the gentleman, he comes in, and he's, we're starting to talk, and he goes, I just, you know, I, I don't know, something's going on in my life, and I know something's missing, and so would you tell me what's missing? <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> really? And we start talking, and I tell him about what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I hope Christ has given us a wealth of, uh, of living that through his son's death on the cross that we can have this amazing relationship with him, and I said, is that something you want to do? He goes, yeah, right now, I want to trust in Jesus, right now. Are you serious? I mean, I was like almost anti, you really want to do this, you know? I'm sure the guy's probably going, hey, moron, that's why I came. You know, I'm just, this whole thing, and I'm walking through that, and I got to, and finally I get to the end of it, and, and this guy says, will you pray? And he starts to cry, and I'm like, huh? You know, and we're going through, and this man right there prays, and he says, I, I mean, it was an amazing thing, but because of my lack of wealth and time, 
it could have made the difference in someone's eternity. Get it? We're, we're wealthy. We're well, some of us have a wealth of time to be able to invest in other people, to be able to talk through people, because you know what? We can give our knowledge away. I love the way in 2 Timothy 2.2 2, it says, You have heard me teach many things that have been confirmed by, my, by many reliable witnesses. Teach these great truths to trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to others. See, that's how the church grows. That's, our goal is to tell other people and to trust them with the message of Jesus Christ. We have time to do it. We need to give our knowledge away. We need to be willing to expand things and step outside and give away which is not ours. Our money's not ours. Our relationships aren't ours. Time is definitely not ours. What are you doing to be able to expand those things, to give it? Because you've got to understand, it's the attitude that we have about those things that de- determines the altitude of our generosity. Because money's not bad, time's not bad, knowledge is not bad. It's our attitude about those things. So this, this is the question I have for you. This is the question I want you to walk through this week, okay? What is my attitude and at what altitude am I living a generous life? What is my attitude and at what altitude am I living a generous life? Because where, once we figure that out, that'll determine what we do next and where we go next. Because I want you to understand, our attitude does reflect, reflect our, our altitude. It, it changes how we, and our attitude changes daily because of different things. I mean, my wife and I, we, we're going to start a church and, and there are things that just struggle through that and we, we have certain days that we're really excited and there are certain days we are really not excited and we live through the, we've made our own word, it's called terracited, okay? And, and it's, we're terrified one day and we're excited the next day and we're in the middle of those and, and there's those emotions that go through that and I know that our attitude changes but God never changes and his principles never change and our attitude ref- should reflect actually the altitude of his generosity, because you know what? God gave, it, gave, gave up a lot. You ever thought about that? And but, like I said, at the beginning, God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our time. He's the keeper of time. But God does want our hearts. And our hearts reflect the attitude. Because we've given an example to follow. Listen to what it says in Mark 2, 17. It says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy, don't, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call sinners, not those who think they're already good enough. See, what I try to wrap my head around is Jesus left heaven for us. Jesus, Jesus left a perfect place, a wonderful place, a place of just amazement to come down here and be with us. I mean, think about it. Jesus went through the terrible twos. Those of you that are in middle school or high school, Jesus had to deal with zits. They're like, oh, man, wouldn't you, wouldn't, I mean, my kids and I joke about it. Wouldn't it be funny if Jesus, like, I have a blemish, that it be healed, right? It's just, <laughs> you know, it, you know, you have this idea, but, but Jesus left that. Jesus struggled. He had a job. He worked, and he came here. Why? Because he chose to give up his life for us. God was extravagant. God was generous when he gave up his son. Jesus died an extravagant death. Matthew 6, 24, though, says to us, then Jesus said to his disciples, that are his followers, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition. Shoulder your cross and follow me. Again, the question I have for you is, what is my attitude? And at what altitude am I being generous? 
Where's my heart in this whole thing? See, because I know some of you may have come this morning and you're thinking, you know what, I just, I'm just trying to make it through the week. Did you know in Malachi chapter 3, God says, actually, test me with your finances? One of the only places that God says, test me, he says, test me with your finances. I've got to ask, you know, where, where's, your, where's your attitude? Because I guarantee you, some of you are getting an attitude as we talk. Right? Oh, tell me about this. What is your heart saying? What is God saying to you about your life? I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes, bow your head. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.